Listen, he just walked up out of the rain. I swear to God, that's all there was to him. Did my father say anything to you the night he died? I don't know. Your father came into the hospital. He, I thought he was crazy, out of his mind. He's hanging onto a Halloween mask. He wouldn't let it go. And what he said was, they're going to kill us. All of us. And in a little while, he was dead. And I don't know what the hell is going on. I've been doing some detective work. I think my father ran into trouble somewhere between here and Santa Mira. Santa Mira, founded in 1887. Colonel Cochran converted it into a toy factory. You happen to know anything about this Cochran? He's watching you, friend. I guarantee you that. Where are they taking her? They're taking her to the factory. I've got nothing here to indicate there was ever a body at all. Operator, this is an emergency. They're going to kill us all. Yes, no one came home, and honestly, no one came to the theater either. This is episode two of Scary Noises, Doc Noise and Mr. E. And yes, if you, you caught in the uh, playing the wonderful trailer there, Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. The problem with this movie and the and we're gonna break down the whole movie, but I'm just I'm gonna ruin one of the things right out front if you've not seen it, is Halloween three. Hey, guess what? Michael Myers is uh, is uh, going to be in this movie again. What? What did you say? No, he's not actually going to be in this movie again. Yep, he is. This is the only Halloween sequel to not feature Michael Myers. And the reason they did that is they, they thought they had this brilliant idea. And and by the way, this is this movie was 40 years old, October 22nd. Uh, came out 1982. The original idea for Halloween, what was weird because it didn't make sense because there are already two Michael Myers movies in, is they were going to do Halloween movies, but it was just other scary stories revolving around the day of Halloween. So they decided to throw this one in here, and it bombed like hell because of that reason. Everybody loved Michael Myers, and and it it hurt them bad. However... The reason we're going to continue to talk about this movie is it's actually really good. If they would have just flipped a few things, 
and said Season of the Witch, a Halloween movie, they'd have probably been fine. But, yeah, the, it, it bombed terribly. It, uh, I think next to one other of the original Halloween movies, it was, was the worst. Uh, you have to leave um, right around that same time year before I need to double check the, the dates again but played uh, was in Night of the Creeps great great character feature for him uh, plays Dr. Daniel Chalice Stacy Nelkin plays uh, Ellie Grembridge she's the uh, the daughter of the the gentleman at the beginning of the film who, film who disappears Dan O'Herlihy, who plays Connell Cochran, the big bad guy, as it were, of the uh, the movie. Those are really the really the biggest of the three characters. Beyond that, it's just uh, li- little bit parts here. Um, but but it is it's it's one of those movies that that I I have a tradition we watch every year. Uh, Mister E has lived through that several times. We did it again just last night to uh, to take notes, go over other things. But, but really, as a if you took Halloween out of the title, and, and part of this, too, is it was 1982. You know what we didn't have in 1982? I don't know. We social didn't media. <laughs> we didn't have social media. We didn't have the internet. We didn't have other than newspapers. If, if before this movie was coming out, let's say Twitter and that existed in 1982, if the backstory of this came out before the movie dropped, it would have done great, but in 1982, when you only have newspapers and a few magazines to read about this, and people expect, after they've loving Michael Myers for two movies, he, he does, technically, he does show up. He shows up in a commercial during this movie for showing the Halloween movie. And actually, he shows up twice, once in an actual clip of the movie, and as you said, first in the trailer. Yes, uh, a little commercial during when uh, Dr. Chalice is sitting in a bar. They flip channels, and it's it's uh, the the commercial is up there. Um, the other main character from the previous Halloween movies do also show up in this. I believe Laurie Strode is a phone operator and does an announcement in this spooky town they end up going to. The spooky town has a 6 p.m. curfew, and we'll, we'll get to some of that stuff soon as well. But, uh, yeah, she does actually show up um, in audio form only as both a telephone operator and as the, yeah, the, the voice of the town. So as we, we uh, start out the, the movie of Halloween 3, you have uh, Dr. Chalice, who is a uh, a drinking doctor, as it's referenced several times in here, uh, coming home to see his kids and gets a page of a patient uh, that was brought to him who they show at the beginning of the movie basically running down the highway carrying a, a, a pumpkin Halloween mask, runs into a gas station uh, as he's being chased by some very nicely dressed guys in suits, uh, kind of reminds you of Men in Black type characters. They don't say anything. They're chasing him around. But he uh, gets away from them and ends up at this gas station, runs into the uh, the attendant there. And, and ironically enough, just before he runs into the attendant, the power goes out. Gee, for a, for a Halloween-type movie, Im- imagine throwing that kind of stuff in there. Yeah. But walks up, to, passes out on the, on the gas station attendant. He drives him to the hospital. And really quick, I'd like to mention that if you've seen Halloween 3 and you've seen the beginning – 
you would know that the way that this crazy guy runs set the sets the theme for the entire movie. It takes itself completely seriously, but plays out like a schlocky B horror movie. Yes, but it's uh, it's one of the best ones. It I is will amazing. Fight, I will fight this movie down uh, as one of the best, and that's kind of why we're picking through. We did Dawn of the Dead last time. It is my number one. This is my number two because I grew up watching it on TV and that. But uh, yes, this guy is taken to this to the local hospital. Doctor Chalice is visiting his ex wife and kids. gets gets paged. For those of you who don't know what that is, it's a little box that doctors wear, and they, they call it at beeps, and he calls the hospital. No cell phones in 1982. So calls the, the hospital, gets told about this patient. He shows up there, and this old man is laying on a cot still holding this Halloween mask and is, is just unconscious. And then you hear this commercial, which you'll, you'll hear throughout this movie. This is one of the, the main points of the movie and, and uh, comes into play all the way to the end. But it's the Silver Shamrock uh, Halloween commercial telling the kids to get their masks and uh, prepare for a special evening. It's a, a flashing orange pumpkin on the screen. Nice uh, early 80s graphics also. But you, but you hear throughout the movie, you'll see these commercials pop up in the background and they're given a Halloween countdown. And then, uh, say, as this patient's in, as they're wheeling him through the hallway, asking questions of, of the gentleman that brought him in, this commercial pops up in the background. He, he comes out of his coma for a minute, tells them they're going to kill us all, and then passes back out again. All while clutching the same silver shamrock Halloween mask. And a gorgeous mask, by the way. It's a the masks that they showed throughout this movie are a witch, a skeleton, and a pumpkin, and they are amazing. You can actually, even to this day, they make them their their uh, officially licensed stuff, and they are beautiful masks. And supposedly, according to the movie, there are a few points where they mention that it is supposed to glow in the dark. Though we never see confirmation of that, they bring it up in nearly every advertisement, and it is on a sign. And even when they show the kids at night, the masks aren't glowing, so uh, they need a refund. So we get through. The, the, the gentleman is, is resting. Uh, the patient's resting in the hospital. Still still the mask in his hand in his hospital bed. And I don't think they ever... I think the gas station attendant might bring it up, but until he is dead, they never mention or take away the mask he's holding. Yeah, it's like usually when, and, and I've done EMS on the things, when you get to the hospital, you get their clothes off if they're unconscious or whatnot, and you take all that stuff away. This guy is just laid out on a hospital bed, still gripping uh, this pumpkin mask. Dr. Chalice decides to hang around the hospital. The friendly nurse tells him the, the where he can go lay down, take a nap, all that stuff. He goes to lay down, and one of the these gentlemen in the suits show up. And and as a side note to this, and I mentioned this when we were watching this last night again, and this looks like a good-sized hospital. A lot of different hallways and, and floors and all that. But there is nobody there. In fact, I think we see only Dan 
uh, that nice nurse, a nurse down the hallway where the strange suited man travels, a homeless guy sitting down, a receptionist, and just a few other randos, but no actual doctors other than Dan. And, and I mean, it's, it's not, it doesn't look like it's a small town, but there's a, several nurses stationed up, but there's just not a, any, anybody in the hospital anywhere. So you must have been lucky. It's one of the few times that the hospital was uh, dead, so to speak. So you have this, this uh, gentleman in the suit walks to the, the uh, hospital, happens to find the guy just, I guess kind of they never really showed him, but popped the head in the in the doors looking because it's not like his name's hanging. They don't have his name or just, anything. And nice little detail there. He's just in room number 13. Yes, uh, but just happens to find him. But, I mean, not really looking. Like almost just walked in the hospital right to his room, happened to know where he was. Uh, gets in front of him, does one of, I think, one of the best kills I've seen of, of most horror movies, especially of the, the 80s era, looks like he's he's choking, kind of choking him, got his hand over his mouth, looks like he's, he makes a fist like he's going to punch through his head, and then all of a sudden just spreads his index finger and his thumb apart, goes between his eyes, and pulls his skull completely apart. As you can just obviously do that. You just reach your hand in there, make a few movements, and then you just pull that skull right apart. And, I mean, side, nice side shot, and it it's all pulled out and I will say for again the practical effects stuff I I love practical effects the CGI and and all over the topness the old school practical effects do so good and again overall this movie's not super gory really yeah. it it is in a few parts but that's one of them every so, kill save for one is like extremely like I wouldn't say graphic but it is Hardcore deaths. Yes, and some some interesting ones as we as we get into it further. So just after, and again, this this uh, gentleman in the suit kills the guy, and then walks over to the drapes, and he's wearing black leather gloves. He's just w- casually wiping the blood off the gloves. No big deal. Not not caring for time or anything in the world. Just as he gets done. The friendly neighborhood nurse walks in the room again, starts screaming her head off, realizing the guy' um, face is kind of off his face at this point. So Dr. Chalice wakes up, running down the hall, sorts him out. Just as, as the, uh, the student man walks away, the nurse is trying to tell him what happens. And just like every Friday the 13th movie, the previous two Halloween movies, this suited guy who's not walking fast, I mean, he's walking at... Uh, like average pace... Dr. Chalice can't catch him and walk. I mean, he's flying through the hallway of this hospital. Then, you, of course, you see, like like we mentioned, there's like six people by the front door. Nowhere else in the damn hospital, but they were right by the front door. Still can't catch him. The guy gets all the way outside into his car. And that's before he, uh, Dan even reaches that door to get outside. He's right. already in his yeah. car by that point. Yeah, Dr. Chalice gets to the door. The guy's in a car. He looks at him. As he can see, they show a close-up. He's pouring gasoline on himself. Sets himself on fire, and it levels that car, burns up one's next to him the whole bit. And, of course, then he's he hit. The police are there. Everybody's there. And I'd like to make a uh, quick funny note, as suggested by my sister, who watched the movie with us. The police were not called. It was about, like, a short minute after the car exploded, and they just sensed the explosion and came running. Yeah, you could hear the sirens in the background right after the car blew up. It's like... And it, and, it, and maybe somewhere in there that was the person magically called nine one one somewhere, but 
Uh, only two people really knew what was going on, Dr. Chalice and his nurse at that point. But yes. She didn't seem much in the mood to be doing anything since she just got out of his way as he walked right out. Yes. So the uh, the, the police and, and the fire department, all that are there, and, and Dr. Chalice is trying to kind of sort things out. And then as they're, they're standing in the, the room where the patient was killed, this young woman shows up, uh, Ellie Grimbridge shows up to uh, identify her father. They they just pull the sheet back. Of course, they don't show his face again from the audience perspective. She kind of freaks out and uh, says that's her, her father and, and leaves. And, of course, Dr. Chalice is kind of in a room just in the corner and Probably I, drinking. He has eyes eyes perk up immediately at, at seeing this this uh, young woman, uh, so to say. So he he leaves the the patient room. Head kind of starts heading out of the hospital. Looks like he's going off shift. Sees her kind of just sitting standing in a corner crying or whatever. She happens to look back and notice him. He just kind of nods his head, whatever, and and leaves. So he. Uh, um, is that his local drinking establishment there, <laughs> the uh, coming off ship drinking? I believe there's every down point in the movie when he's not, like, talking or with Ellie. He is at a liquor store taking a drink or just in a bar. He is always drinking when there's downtime. Yes. So while we're sitting there, uh, this this dark, lonely bar, him and a bartender and the uh some cartoons on TV asked a bartender to switch it. And of course, when he switches it, it comes up to the, the silver shamrock commercial and then switches it again. And then you get the, uh, the commercial for showing that Halloween, the original Halloween with Michael Myers was coming. So there's the, the initial Michael Myers showing up, shows him walking down the stairs from the trailer of the, uh, the original movie. Can't say he wasn't in there. <laughs> no, you for a whole second and a half. So while he's having his drink there, uh, Ellie Grimbridge shows up in the bar after the nurse, she said the nurse told him where he would be. So they start talking and he explains to her that uh, the only words he said told to uh, Dr. Chalice were, they're going to kill us all. And he was hanging on to the mask and uh, he just, he doesn't know what the hell's going on. So she, he, they leave the bar together, go to her, father's hardware store talks about how the hardware store has been around forever and he loves the kids and he sells a lot of Halloween masks. And as they're walking into the store, you can see the same masks like the type he was holding in his hand in the background there. They talk about that. She, and of course a sign showing they are glow in the dark. Yes. <laughs> I want, if we actually want to see them glow in the dark, I kind of wish, yeah. wish they would. So, she says, well, I looked at his schedule. He was, was here on this date. He was supposed to be at the Silver Shamrock factory here, and then he didn't show up next day to have dinner with a friend. So they decide together. Again, um, they never really explain how old Ellie is. At one point, she just says old enough, which should clue you into some other things later. Uh, <laughs> but they decide to go to Santa Mira, which is not too far from where they currently are, to the factory to investigate this further. So they, uh, Tom Atkins, Dr. Chalice calls his ex-wife again, saying now he can't be back until Saturday, Halloween, to, uh, to take the kids trick-or-treating. He has a medical conference, last minute pop-up. As he's talking to her, um, 
He has a six-pack of beer on top of the <laughs> telephone. So does that, hops into the uh, the car with Ellie, and they drive to Santa Mira. And this is one of many moments that I just can't, I'm not a fan of it, because this older man with a full mustache gets into a car with a young, uh, old enough, apparently, woman, and just goes on a road trip because her father died. Her father had his face peeled off. Or skull ripped off. Either way, however you want to take it. Um, and and again, it's it's they never say how old Doctor Chalice is either. His kids are like eh, eight to ten years old, so probably as in a doctor, probably mid forties. Yeah, that's early my mid forties. My guess, maybe Ellie, maybe guess. late thirties. I would guess like mid twenties. I'm gonna Ellie. guess early twenties for her. So. So, yeah, so they drive off to Santa Mira. They, they're they talking about the history of the town, how it was founded after World War II, and the Silver Shamrock was turned uh, toy factory and then started selling Halloween masks. So they as they're coming into this town, you see uh, a lot of old building. Good, good, campy, small town. I mean, everybody knows everybody, and as they're driving through the town, everybody from the, the bank to the stores are stopping what they're doing, looking out the window, looking out the door, noticing that they don't belong here. Something else you see as they drive through the town. Numerous security cameras. And. I don't know. <laughs> the the guys in suits. Ah. As they pass different spots, like an alleyway, there's a guy, one of the guys in suits standing there. There's some other ones in different places. Uh, you'd think you would notice some of that, but. But yeah, cameras, cameras all over the place. Like I said, every every town's folk looking at them. They uh, they do pull into a a gas station next to it. You see a sign for the Rose O'Shannon Hotel, or more like motel, hotel motel, <laughs> where it's just the old school, like the '60s style. There's about ten rooms side by side. Looks like the Bates Motel. So. Easy, easy uh, view there. They pull up in the gas station. Nice, cozy place to get shanked in. Yes. So they, they ask the uh, the proprietor of the gas station, says, yep, I've got rooms here. I run both. Uh, and uh, they, they get parked, kind of get sorted out. He goes, Dr. Chalice goes into the uh, the main little building there to sign the register, sees Ellie's father's name written down and when he was there kind of just checking things out. They get back to the uh, the front of the hotel. And as they're doing that, a POS Winnebago shows up and Dr. Chouse is almost hit by a bicycle. <laughs> the uh, Buddy Kepfer, who's uh, uh, him and his family sell masks somewhere. He's the, as you find out later in the movie, he's the number one salesman in the country for the masks. Show up to get a tour of the factory, but but meets, uh, meets Dr. Chalice and Ellie. And at about the same time, you have those two sorting things out. A, uh, a very upset woman pulls up another car by the name of Marge. She gets out yelling about hap, uh, having to go back to this damn factory again because they screwed up her order and that. So they all get things kind of settle down. Everybody goes into their motel rooms. Dr. Chalice uh, decides to... Go get some liquor uh, again. As if he didn't have enough from the six-pack he bought, like, probably a couple hours ago. I'm assuming he drank that on the drive over to there because I believe... No, she, he was driving. She wasn't the one... I was, first, I was thinking 
No, you know what? She was driving. So he was in the mm. passenger seat, he, so he was probably drinking it. What a responsible drunk doctor. Yes. Well, hey, he was a passenger. It's okay. <laughs> so he goes to, he said he's going to go go get a drink. And in the process, while he's doing that, you hear the uh, a little ding-dong thing, and then all the, the little PA system town comes over and says it's curfew, at 6 o'clock curfew, all... Uh, citizens are to to keep keep their stuff indoors in their own residences. So basically telling everybody, get off the street, 6 o'clock curfew. And of course, it is dark, so you're in October. Um, it is dark. But one of the things that threw me off is after that notification's done, they pan around for the things, Daddy's coming out of a liquor store. It's like, well, wait a minute. They were supposed to be at curfew at 6 o'clock. How the hell is a liquor store owner still there? And I know it's just a, these little one-off things, but it's like, okay, don't say it's it's curfew at six, and then you're still showing people, in, and it was only him in the liquor store. Well, you can't stop a man from getting his booze, especially not Dr. Dan. No. So Dr. Dan's cutting through all these back alleys in different ways and gets, uh, stumbles, an old man scares the crap out of him, stumbles across it and, and uh, asks for a, a drink for the bottle. So Dan obliges and and uh, starts asking him some questions about the town, about Cochran, and the uh, the the drunk gentleman said he wouldn't hire him for the factory, even though he's from this town. Uh, a little hint later, he says that uh, everybody he brought in is from outside, not uh, not local, as it were. So he tells him a few other things, tells him how much he hates Cochran, and and uh, Doctor Chalice goes on. So he's heading back to his motel room. Well, this drunken gentleman is skipping through his area. He looks kind of like he lives in a uh, uh, old torn-up car place, like a car repair shop or something. As he he turns on the lights, is startled by no less than four men in the suits, and this comes, I think, the the goriest of the. You thought getting his the gentleman's skull ripped apart was uh, was fun. This one was even better. They, uh, the, the couple of suits guys get behind him. One gets in front of him and kind of pushes him down to the ground and then grabs him by the ears and promptly rips his head off. Just like the Predator, full on head and spine. Rips it. And, and then if you, if you watch closely, right after he does it and the body's still upright, a bunch of blood just squirts out of the top of his head like a fountain. <laughs> I remember seeing that. <laughs> so, so just a, a nice little, little touch there. And, and it's, it like I said, the guy just grabbed him by the ears and pulled really, really uh, hard there, and that was all she wrote. So Chalice gets back to uh, his room, drinking his booze. Uh, at about the time uh, he's he goes in the bathroom for something, and wonderful Ellie gets off the bed, opens up her. Uh, she was covered in a blanket, opens up her blanket, and again, uh, as, as I've seen in other th- other groups that have covered this movie is wearing some really fancy lingerie. She didn't pack when, when they got out of the car to stay in there, the, the gentleman from the, the hotel helped them bring the luggage in. And it was like a, a tiny, I wouldn't even call it an overnight bag. It's almost just something a little bit bigger than a purse. But for some reason she had this fancy piece of lingerie in there of, of all things that could have been. So that, that raises some questions that I'll have at the end of the movie with, with that. So, with her wearing lingerie, you can only imagine what's going on. So they, they, that's not too graphic. They don't show a lot. But what they also cut to was they cut to 
Marge. And what is Marge doing? Sitting there looking at one of these little silver shamrock medallions. That came off the, the Halloween mask. She, she references earlier in the movie that they, the quality is not as good because this thing popped right off after her son threw it at the wall a bunch of times. <laughs> but she has this medallion and is kind of messing with it and then just drops on the counter and, and uh, happens to knock it off when she's doing something. So she goes back to her bed. Just She's bored in her hotel room, happens to look down and notice that there's something like, looks like a chip. Uh, a microchip or something on the back of this medallion. So first thing she does is she gets in, turns on the light, puts her glasses on, and then of all things, it kind of touches it, mess around with it, then pulls a bobby pin out of her hair and starts scraping it. Which is just, if you've ever done anything with computers, the worst idea, let alone what might happen. And and I will say it looks it looks like a microchip, and I don't know if they just did that because that was the closest thing they could make to look clean to put in there. But we'll explain what that actually was later. So I don't know if, if that was their true intention or they just got something nice and clean to put in there. But, yeah, so she starts scraping this thing with the bobby pin, and then what happens? Her face basically just melts right off. The A laser shoots out of this tab, shoots her right in the mouth. Uh, the light fades out, and now she's looking at and It looks like somebody's shotgun blasted her face. Her eyes are all kind of bloody, looks kind of nasty, and, and you can still hear her breathing, which is even cooler. But that's not all. We have a second surprise there. Bug crawls right out of her gaping mouth hole thing. And then walks up her head... Up over her forehead and then buries itself back in her head. While while that laser blast happens, uh, Doctor Dan and and Ellie kind of hear it, but of course they're they're busy, so they ignore it. <laughs> uh, they end up asleep. A little bit later, a bunch of headlights and things come. At very early in the morning, they get up. They see people going into uh, Marge's motel room. So Dr. Chalice, being a doctor, even though he's drunk, uh, <laughs> goes out there to see what's going on. All these guys in white lab coats, but again, kind of look like the same guys in the suits, pull up. The owner of the, the, the Rosa Shannon Hotel comes out there saying, hey, uh, she'll be taken care of. It's all good. And then the uh, so first time we really meet Con, Connell Cochran, the, the owner of the Silver Shamrock Novelties, shows up in his limo, says everything's going to be good. They have a great hospital at the factory. Uh, she'll be just fine, well taken care of. But he steps away and talks to these guys in the white coats, and they reference the word misfire. That's all they say. It was just a misfire. So... Dr. Chalice and Ellie decide it's best to go back to their room. Everybody else kind of leaves because they, they can tell they're just not wanted. So they get up the next day, go to the factory, confirm that Ellie's dad was there, picked up his masks, and are pretty much wrapped up what they are what they wanted to do. And we're getting them to relieve. And uh, Buddy uh, Kupfer and his family show up. They're supposed to be getting this fancy tour of everything, and they, they ask if uh, Dr. Chalice and Ellie can come along, which they agree to. So they, they show them around the factory all the things that uh, Connell Cochran has done, made all these little, like, animated 
desktop things, all this stuff. Talked about uh, sticky toilet paper and random stuff that he made. Yeah, they said, I believe he was the king of pranks. Yes. So as, as a little bit of a reference again later as well. So we get into them showing the making of the masks, which is just like any others. They were using molds. They poured in latex, let it dry, pour it out pull out the, the mask, and it was just a gray or a black color, and then they were showing them, trimming them up and painting them and doing all this, like like any other mask creation place. And they, uh, uh, Buddy keeps asking Connell about, okay, how are they made and what's this? And they, they have a little boy they call Little Buddy uh, who's along with them. He, he wants his own mask, so they... Uh, Connell Cochran gives him, him one in the plastic... And Buddy keeps asking, can we see this? And they talk about the, they see a sign for final processing. Ask Cochran about that. He's like, no, we we can't go in there. It's not safe for you. And just kind of left it at that. And and, and Buddy was okay with it. It said trade secrets. So Dr. Chalice and Ellie are kind of walking through just the parking lot there a little bit. And they're realizing they're seeing guys in suits like that they've seen before. One door opens, a forklift comes out, and Ellie realizes that's her dad's car in the uh, in the garage. So she runs up as about a dozen guys in suits block her path, and they just kind of they step away from things. So they get back to their room. Buddy and and his family go off. They've all kind of separated now again. So Dr. Chalice is realizing things aren't up, definitely are not up the up and up at this point. I feel like the, the the guys in suits are not the smartest they could be. I feel like the fact that they just have them standing, watching them out in bright daylight is just going to tip them off even more. That Yeah, that something's definitely not right. Because they, this- saw, they saw what they needed to see, that their dad, her dad did get the masks so they could have just been on their way. But no, they send out these guys in suits to keep just staring at them creepily. And and through this whole movie, too, Dr. Chalice, uh, at the very beginning, after the, the, the uh, guy blew himself up in his car, did stop by the coroner's office, checked in with a friend of his, said, hey, when you get the autopsy, I want to know if it's drugs, what it is, let me know. And he called her right after they got to Rosa Shannon Hotel, and then... They the the second night after they've done the tour of the factory, he is trying to get a hold of her again and and can't get a hold of her. Keeps trying to call from the the room. She tells she actually I, I apologize. Take that back. He does get a hold of her. She says they've not found a single body part in here. Basically, it looks like they're they're uh, doing an autopsy on part of the car, not finding any bone fragments, nothing. So now we're back to. The, the second night they're staying here, Dr. Chalice goes back to make phone calls again. This time can't get through. Kept getting the uh, the operator saying call couldn't be completed, all this kind of stuff. Well, after he's done messing with that, he heads back to his room. And in good horror fashion, the door's standing open. Mm-hmm. So he pops in there looking for Ellie, and she's nowhere to be found. Looks around. Comes back out the front door of the motel room, and there are about eight guys in suits, uh, about halfway in the parking lot, side shoulder to shoulder, 
not even can't even see their face, which is which is kind of I mean just a nice creepy cool shot. I would say that would tip off everybody else in the town, but there's about like six people that live there, so it doesn't mean much. Yeah, you the most people you ever see that aren't these guys in suits or the main characters is when they're in the office and there's like eight or nine people and then a handful of people building the masks, which all seem to live in the town. But yeah, you don't ever really see anybody on the streets or anything like that at, at, at any time. So he freaks out. First thing you do is run back, like again, like the good old horror rules, run back in the, the uh, motel room, slam the door. As they're trying to bust it in, he dives out the, uh, the bathroom window. And presumably, as Dan does, I assume he is still drunk as he is the entire <laughs> probably, movie. Probably stop for a drink along the way. <laughs> so he's he's running through the town. It is dark by this point. There's You see these cars zooming up and down the street. He's ducking and diving around corners and hiding up against fences and things, trying to uh, to not be found. He, again, finds, and again, if you're, if you're young listening to this, finds a phone booth. What those are is they used to be on corners or next to buildings that were glass, had a telephone in them. You'd put money in and you could call people. So you see that a lot in 82. You don't see any of them in 2022. So if they're out there somewhere, they're probably used for homeless people toilets. Or, or for rando decoration like if you go to Disney World. So he attempts to make a phone call, can't, can't get uh, one made. Decides to head toward the factory, and this factory is massive, huge, huge building, looking for a way in, and there's just, and I, and I wish I had it, um, just a, a short piece of the audio, is there was just these real cool audio bits that like when the lights come on, there's this kind of, almost like a st- and a stabby noise, but a really sharp musical note. Oh, and like so a sting, just, yeah. Yeah, just some of those things were really cool uh, to get your attention, and, and so some of those things were, were really well done in there. So he's sneaking around the outside of the factory, does finally find a way in. Uh, some of the, the guys in suits are walking around. We do see a car pull up into an old, what looks like a car repair shop, pull Ellie out of the car, um, take her inside the building as they close the garage. So we do know she's now in this same building. He finally gets inside, just wandering around a little bit, tries to, um, tries to, or does make a phone call to call his ex-wife to uh, to let her know how, how dangerous his situation is, uh, just horrible, horrible stuff. They need to... Um, Get rid of the masks, all this kind of stuff. It just It's all bad because these kids both have these masks at home. And I could be wrong, but I believe we have skipped another of the deaths. The first deaths of one of the men in suits. And this particular one... Nope, not quite yet. We, are, mm. we, had, we hadn't quite made it there yet, but ah. we're close. So he... So impatient for it. Yeah, that's Very all right. Very excited. <laughs> so his wife, ex-wife doesn't listen. He hangs up the phone because he hears more people coming. Goes hunting through the offices, some of the area they showed where, like, the, the little animated things were going, and he finds what looks like Connell Cochran's private office. He goes, opens the door, and there's a woman crocheting. Uh, face isn't lit up. You can see her uh, dressed kind of oldish, crocheting something. He starts asking where the girl is, walks up to her, shakes her, and her head falls off. Luckily, she wasn't real. It was basically just a, a large... I would say it's not a robot, but basically it was a uh, 
and these were a actually freaky as hell grandma animatronic. Yeah, basically a way old school. And they mentioned it a little bit later. It's like two hundred year old animatronic with gears that could do a very basic task. In this case, crochet something. So right after that happens, he kind of freaks out, and one of the guys in suits does show up Here right behind him. Now I'd like to say um, this myself, yes, because I'm just a I love this part so much. Now, this particular robot, as I was starting to say, is played by someone Halloween veterans might be familiar with. This is the original actor for Michael Myers that attacks Dan. Yes, you wouldn't wouldn't recognize him normally, but uh, it's Dick Warlock. Uh, He's just listed as Assassin, but uh, did actually play Michael Myers in uh, Halloween 2. Um, so he's chucking, uh, throws Dr. Chalice around a little bit. Uh, Chalice gets back up and lays a nice punch across his face. He just kind of stands there, throws another one, and, and you hear Dr. Chalice just go, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Realizes he's in trouble. They get to uh, rolling around on the floor, kind of wrestling style. Chalice actually gets on top of him, starts punching him in the stomach, and then realizes there seems to be a problem here. Well, he kills him. And it's just, he spits out what looks like pumpkin guts or orange juice or something, pulls his hand out, covering orange stuff still, and he's holding wires. He has come to the realization these people aren't quite human. And has the, the freak out of that realization, and I think having his hand covered in orange robot goo, um, pretty much took him out of the fight at that point. Other... Other of the guys in suits and Connell Cochran show up, uh, kind of collect him, take him downstairs into a whole new area, the the uh, final processing area, as it were, because we do find out that's where it is. Take him downstairs, and Connell Cochran starts kind of showing him around and explaining what's going on. As they're coming into this two-story warehouse of a building, you see all these guys in uh, all this technology, TVs in a circle, all these guys working on on uh, fancy 1982 computers. You also see them walk by this big piece of stone. Very early in the movie, uh, the very beginning, you'll you'll catch a news clip talking about Stonehenge and a pe- and one of the stones missing. Well, now you can be clued in, and that's probably what this is. So where else do you get some giant, presumably magical stone? Yes, from a hinge, a stone hinge. <laughs> so Connell Cochran is is kind of laughing about it. Say so you wouldn't believe how we got it here, and and all happy about this thing. So I kinda, want to believe. I want to know how we got it there. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'd like the ten minute explanation of how they how they loaded that up. Did some of the strong robot guys just pick it up and carry it, or? or this then, is a Halloween documentary I want to see. Yes. A, a whole side note on just how they got that from <laughs> from uh, Stonehenge all the way to uh, to the U.S. So he's explaining some of that pieces and kind of telling him about the, the power of the, the Stonehenge and even just a little fleck of it can do these, these crazy things. And they've shown him cutting pieces of rock off, making them small enough. And he said, you know what? At, at, at this point, you need a a demonstration to really see how this things work. So they're standing in this big circle of, of uh, computers there. And we see the, the 
Buddy and his family, his him, his wife, and, and young son carrying the mask still that, that Connell Cochran gave to his boy, walking through these very gray hallways, and they put him in this testing room. It looks like a living room, uh, couch, chairs, TV. Of course, the, the wife work, walks across the room, look out a window, and it's just covering a wall. They shut them in, and uh, even hand Buddy a notepad like he's going to take notes. He said, oh, they're just, they're just going to show me some uh, commercials and stuff for next year. So as they're talking and kind of whatever, uh, the, the TV, you see the, the gentleman in the control room kick on the stuff, and the TV kicks on in this room. And the, the Silver Shamrock commercial starts playing again. Starts playing and, and uh, Buddy's son is now there close to the TV and, and uh, leaning in has his, in the thing, tells him to put on, their, put on his mask, get ready for the big giveaway. So he puts it on and... And the other, the husband and wife, they're just talking. And then you realize that something's going on because it, it's real subtle, but the Silver Shamrock logo actually kind of glows. It was really, I didn't pick it up actually until last night. But if you notice it, it, it actually gets real shiny for a second. I believe it was, it was so subtle that I think only current HD TVs and seeing it in theaters could only pick it up. Uh, probably, that could be right because I had never noticed it previous to, to now and I've watched it a lot. Because like on the TVs in the movie that you see, you would not be able to pick that up. No. So you see this glow and, and you know something's up with those badges because of Marge and the misfire. So Thank God at, for Marge. Yes, after you see that, little buddy puts his hands on the side of his face slash mask and it pans around to the front, and you realize the mask is melting. Yes, it is melting. So he's kind of, I don't say writhing around yet, but he's grabbing at the mask, trying to pull it off. I don't know why he tried to just not pull it over his head, but he's more like kind of pulling at the front. And then he drops to the ground. The The wife and, and husband, are, the wife's kind of laughing at first and then realizes he collapses to the ground. And then we look over and see crickets just pouring out of his mouth. And I hope to God that when he first fell to the floor, he was dead. Because what happens next is probably one of the most uncomfortable parts of the entire movie. Yes, as he and, and it's a good, you can see part of his face, the mask is half melted. See his face in there. But crickets are pouring out, and then you notice some small snakes. Then a big uh, rattlesnake comes out of his mouth. Um, the parents are freaking out. Uh, the the wife faints already. Uh, Buddy's trying is freaking out, trying to open the door, and then the uh, the rattlesnake attacks him, and the, you see crickets going everywhere, and the song just continues to play in the background. And Buddy finally collapses, and everybody is has either died of fright or will have died from the snake and everything else in the room. And uh, now Dr. Chalice knows exactly what those masks do and realizes that's not good. <laughs> so after the, the demonstration is completed, Connell Cochran takes Dr. Chalice to a uh, another room. And in the meantime, Dr. Chalice asks, asks about Ellie because, no, we, we have not seen her in a little while. They show her in a, a separate room just tied up on a uh, like a hospital bed, not moving or anything like that. So... They take, uh, he takes Dr. Chalice to a room 
going to basically puts him in there with a TV, puts a mask on him, and, and before that, kind of gives him a little background of, of why they're doing what they're doing. Halloween. The festival of Samhain. The last great one took place 3,000 years ago when the hills ran red with the blood of animals and children. Sacrifices to the part of our world, our craft. Witchcraft. To us, it was a way of controlling our environment. It's not so different now. It's time again. Yes, it is. So, so it's a a three thousand year old thing, and they want to basically kill all the children by by putting these Halloween masks all over the the uh, really all over the world. The children will wear them, and you, as you hear these advertisements, and they, they they do some cuts. They show everybody buying the mask. Stores everywhere. They're just flying off the shelves, and they uh, as they show the kids trick or treating, showing different cities. I mean, there's most of the most random costumes mixed mixed together with these masks. So it it showed every kid wanted this mask. And for Halloween veterans, you might have noticed a word Sawain, but. Fans of Dr. Loomis may have heard it as Sam Hain, which is connected to the stupid part of the later Halloween movies, The Cult of Thorn. Yes, um, so the, the that does reference some different things, so thank you for that. But yeah, two different ways to pronounce it, um, so now you know that, that this was referenced previously and will also be referenced in future movies when Michael Myers comes out of retirement to play some more. So you have Dr. Chalice in his room. Cochran leaves him alone, uh, freaking out because he's, he's got to get, he's wearing a mask. So when they play the thing on the TV, it's going to eat his face as well. So he works on that, uh, works on getting out of this chair, finally uh, scoots up to the, the TV in the room and uh, two foot kicks it and smashes the, the glass of the screen. And again, if this happened in 2022, good luck. You wouldn't, you wouldn't have uh, be able to do that because a flat panel doesn't have any glass to it. You could tip the whole damn TV over, and that <laughs> wouldn't do much for you. <laughs> You're not going to cut out of the seat belts they'd wrapped him around in. So they get him, uh, get him cut out of that, and also in the meantime, he has, has uh, gotten his mask, gotten un- unhooked enough. He could grab his mask, and he threw it like a Frisbee over the camera, in, in the uh, in the corner, so they couldn't see what he was doing. Swish, three points. And I even watched some uh, uh, making ofs of, of this movie, and the director was messing around because he knew he wanted to do that shot. Tried it his very first time, sitting in a chair about the same thing. Hit it on the first try. <laughs> he knew he was screwed because then it took 40 takes <laughs> to get, uh, get it actually done for film. So, so yeah, that was, uh, I thought that was kind of funny that they, they talked about that a little bit. So Chalice does get the camera covered. He gets himself out of there trying to find a way out. Cause of course the door is locked, uh, goes through what everybody does in, in any kind of movies, finds the vent that everybody can fit in. It's about a Gordon Freeman sized vent for our gamer fan. Yes. So you're fitting it, fitting in a vent. He's crawling through, looking at things. He can see, uh, where the control stuff is. Uh, gets down farther and happens to pop up where he can get actually out of the uh, out of the vent and actually be outside part of the building. So he hops up there, 
kind of gets gets in a back area, back into the main, this main warehouse, and is looking around. Happens to uh, find Ellie in the meantime, and and of course, typical hero thing is they have a camera on her. Everybody sees he's getting her, so they know to watch out for him. He gets her out of the room. She's not saying much. She's following him around. And as he's coming through the this control area, kind of hide behind things. And they they do, and you mentioned it last night, they do the, which in most, a lot of places would be like a comedy thing. They, they do. They, in what could only be considered some kind of Ace Ventura joke, <laughs> Dan takes a cart with masks stacked up so they can't see him and just walks across right in front of everybody. Basically, yeah, the, him and Ellie grab the mask cart while standing behind it, just wheel it like like nobody would notice that this big cart's moving by itself. And clearly, <laughs> these robots must not have been made with peripheral vision. Or or hardly any vision for that matter. So they get get into another hidden area. He's looking around, and what does he see? A box of just the medallions that go on the back of the mask. So he has himself an idea. They get near uh, some stairs. He he again sneaks over with a in a brightly lit area. There's enough guys moving around. They should have easily seen him. Sneaks over, happens to notice how they had fired off the uh, silver shamrock commercial. Hits the buttons, runs away. It starts playing. Everybody's looking around like, where the hell did this start? He runs up the stairs with these medallions into this upper platform, and then just opens the box and pours them on everybody. And I don't know how he thought to do this, because surely he's been drunk this entire time. (laughs) I'm sure he took a swig while he was crawling through those vents. He sobered up just for this piece. (laughs) So as this is raining down, they're starting to all fire off, and they're killing all these robotic guys, and everything's starting to explode. Cochran realized what's going on as all these robots everywhere are dying. Uh, as they finish dumping all the things and, and everybody's failed, you continue to hear the, the silver shamrock music in the background. Cochran looks up and just gives him a nice little applause, like, uh, congratulations, you've, you've done something uh, big. You you played a prank on me. And then about that time... old slow clap. Yes. This ring of computers and monitors gets a bright circle glow, and then you see the, the, the Stonehenge rock in the background also glowing and making a noise, and then it fires a laser and hits Cochran, who's just standing in there, and he kind of, like, turns into a marshmallow. He almost looks like a cardboard cutout, the way he filmed him. He's just like a flat board, and then he just pops like a firework. Yeah, and, and disappears. It's it never really clear why that particular thing happened. I mean, the other one, it would have been cooler if he... If he exploded and uh, breaking and, everything here, yeah, and bugs fell came out all around him or something, but he just yeah he turned into like a cardboard cutout or kind of like looked like a marshmallow and just disappeared. I suppose you could make the argument that oh he's a witch, so his witch powers killed him in some Son weird witch. Re- <laughs> some weird reason for his so, disappearance. Yes, yeah, so now the the stone is exploding. Other things are catching fire and blowing up. All the masks which also don't quite make sense, but uh, the, they pan into other rooms, like the, the room where they were making the masks. The masks that aren't finished are also catching fire, so they don't even have the medallions on them. But they're, everything's catching fire, so the next shot... They're made with evil latex. Yes, it's the, the non-fire retardant latex. <laughs> so Ellie 
And Dr. Chalice are running down the street. You see the, the big warehouse on fire in the background. They, they, they have to run all the way back to the motel to get their car. As they're flying down the road, Chalice comes to realize, he said, we, gotta, we have to stop this because he knows the commercials are still going to play. But this just hit me too, is they burned up the entire damn control room, so how are the commercials going to play? Um, my only good guess is that maybe the stations have the tapes. That's, that'd be the only thing I could think of, is, is you don't have to do this controlling live. But as they're, they're driving, so we got to find a phone, we've got to call somebody. Still panning, and, and Ellie more or less looks like herself, but has yet to say a word. Well, he finally realizes, you know, she's not said a damn thing. Hasn't kissed me, nothing. Hasn't, hasn't put on lingerie. <laughs> the tell. No, nothing's <laughs> happened here. So That's looks tell, over her and... Being horny. Yes, and then she looks at him and starts trying to choke him. She's uh, a fembot. Yes, uh, he it goes off the road, crashes into a tree... And it falls out of the driver's side of the car. You see a, a he kind of heads back toward the driver's door, looks over, and her arm is still attached to the door, uh, sitting on the armrest. Uh, it actually works. It's an armrest for a non-attached arm. He comes around the back of the car, and there she is trying to attack her again, to attack him again with one arm. So he, uh, luckily enough, when he wrecked into the tree, the trunk got open. And, of course, what's also laying in arm's reach at all times just a tire iron. Yes, they're always right where you need them. Grabs that, beats her head off, and uh, her her orangish blood starts uh, squirting around, and then they, they pan to a shot of the body laying there, and the head next to it just kind of looking around like, mm, well, this sucks. So he, Basically the Terminator, but way less effective, and yes. filled with orange goop. So he gets back in the car, even though he's hit a tree, shuts the passenger door, just as he's shutting the driver's door, the arm comes back to life and attacks him again, so he has to jump back out of the car. F- finally gets that, because it had a little bit of power left, gets that arm off and drops on the ground, and it, it runs out of juice. And instead of getting back in the car, which he had just a minute ago was going to attempt to drive away, then he just runs into the woods. From God knows where he is, he runs from the woods all the way back to the gas station, the crazy guy went. That we, yep, that we saw at the very beginning of the movie. The uh, the same gentleman's running it. He's out front, just got done getting gas to somebody, and he uh, he runs in screaming, "Where's the phone? Where's the phone?" So he he gets in. He's on the phone to uh, to explain what the hell's going on. And again. This is 1982. There's not a lot of stations, TV stations out there, not like there are now. If he had to try and get this off every station, because you know they would have had it on every single one, it would never happened. Got that evil money. Yes, but uh, here's him trying to get this off the air. Your phone, your phone, where is it? It's life and death. Hey, don't I know you? If it goes out, it means the death of millions of people, everyone watching. Don't you understand that? If you well, say it's a bomb, then say say whatever you want, say whatever you like, just get it off the air. And I want to I want to stop it here for a minute too, as as we're as he's saying this in the background. Uh, Car pulls up, and kids jump out of the car wearing the masks, coming in to watch the TV in the gas station that they didn't know existed two seconds ago. 
Gas so, uh, and the candy. Yes, and but who would think that the gas station would have a TV that this would be on? But anyway. Please, you just... I, no, no, I can't prove it. You've got to believe me. Believe me. Take it off the air now, please. You've got to at least... Okay, this Tuesday interruption. We're having technical problems. Please stand by. It's time. It's time. We are experiencing technical difficulties. Please stand by. Dark masks. Gather round your TV set. Put on your masks and watch. All witches, all skeletons, all jack o lanterns. The third Gather commercial. It's still on. Please. Watch Take off the third channel. The third channel. It's still running. Stop it, please. For God's sake, please stop it. There's no more time. You've got to. Please stop it. Stop it now. Turn it off. Turn it off. Stop it. 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 And that's the end of the movie. We don't know if they got it stopped, how many kids' faces melted and snakes were born around the country and around the world. Or, uh, and, and I did see some um, some stuff I was watching today, even writing up for this, interviews with uh, with the actor, with Tom Atkins. He said, hell yeah, we got that stopped. Um, <laughs> I, I Again, more... Uh, I, I like how they did it, and there was some other. There's an alternate ending too, where basically after he yelled "stop it," they played all these kids screaming, like mm. like it didn't get stopped. So I, I actually like how they ended it this way. I also really like that whether you look at it as he did stop it or didn't stop it, he got really close off yeah. of half or I guess two thirds of the channels. Yeah, sixty six percent of the channels he got so close. So. Again, uh, this movie did not do well in the movie when it was uh, uh, originally released because, again, with the name Halloween 3, everybody assumed Michael was going around with his big knife stabbing people. People were quite disappointed, and social media was not there to save it. It has become a great cult film. The amount of people that love it and uh, the uh, things that they, they do, the special showings and all this kind of stuff, there's a huge following for it now, but not in 1982. So I, uh, you can get this on, on streaming multiple places. Uh, the uh, Blu-ray, I was actually looking because I have the old, an old DVD and it's in a smaller viewing format. Uh, Walmart, of all places, has the, the Blu-ray for, I think, $6. Uh, well worth it. Uh, it was a great, great watch. I highly suggest you go uh, out and watch it however you can. Uh, like I said, again, this is another one that would would not do in 2022 with social media, and you couldn't you couldn't put some of the things that would go on. People would see right through the uh, Silver Shamrock stuff, and it would be you could just tweet out, "Nobody watch the commercials, you're gonna die," and everybody would quit watching them, and you'd have solved the movie oh, yeah. in two minutes. But I feel like if they did do it some way, I'm not saying with social media, but if they could do like they're doing with Michael Myers and do a requel. I feel like it would be really good and people would love it. Yeah, th- this would be one I'd be curious if they do something like that. But a, uh, another good wrap-up. We'll, we'll uh, have another another movie in the can for you very soon. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you hadn't noticed, we have changed the name uh, from the first episode was uh, Movie Noise. We are now Scary Noises. That is our official name, and we will stay that way. I'm Doc Noise, Mr. E., 
another horror movie in the books. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you next time.